The following is a presentation of the Connection Church, a place where people are being set free. If you'd like to know more information about our community, you can join us online at connectionchurchnc.com. Hey, let me just let you understand what just took place. You see, we used to pray, or we sometimes used to pray. Some of you still pray this way. We pray, God, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You remember that prayer? Some of you still pray it. Can I just tell you that that prayer was just answered? Like, God's will here on this earth was just done the same as it is in heaven. Because I just got a glimpse of heaven. Because there's going to be thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people. And we're going to be singing together one day while we see this man we call Jesus. And we're going to be singing, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty all together. And I don't know about you, but some people I know in past churches don't like to stand for that long and sing. We're going to be standing for a long time singing, holy, holy, holy. And we just got a small glimpse of heaven right here. Aren't you thankful for that? Andy Peel leads a phenomenal team here, and we are blessed to be able to join him in singing those words this morning. Guys, I've had church, and I love what just took place. I don't know if you guys saw this, and Lori, I hate to call you out. But I just saw Lori leading these songs, fighting back the tears. You see, that's what happens when our spirit encounters His Holy Spirit. And I am so thankful that God saw fit, not that we deserve it, but He saw fit to allow His presence to be in this place today. Aren't you thankful? Give God praise one more time here this morning if you're glad to be in His presence. I am so thankful because we as the church are so imperfect I know as the church that I've been a part of for nearly 15 years or so, I've seen the pendulum swing from one side to another. And we as the church, me included, sometimes we jump on one side of the pendulum and we like to hang there. You see, one side of the pendulum is this, is that this is hellfire and brimstone. Don't you dare step out of line or our God is going to get you. And we live under a curse of fear. And and that's where some people stay. Well, on the other swing of the pendulum, and this is where I tend to sometimes fall, is that God is so loving that His Son Jesus is so loving. He is so accepting of everyone. His grace is sufficient. What He did on the cross was sufficient. And there are no repercussions to any of our sins because Jesus and God, as I even said last week, is love. And so we swing all the way over here. But I believe somewhere in a very healthy middle is where we're going to try to head today. Because we talk over here on my side of how much God loves us and how gracious He is and how wonderful His Son Jesus is. And I will always stand on this side of the line because I cannot exaggerate the goodness of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I just can't. I don't think there's ever going to be a day in heaven when He pulls me aside and says, Scott, I really wasn't that good. I wasn't as good as you made me out to be. No. Our human words have no chance of dictating how wonderful Jesus is. And so I will always stand on this side of the line. But I want to say today, if you're here in this church and you've heard us over the however long you've been here, you've heard us tell stories of how God is blessing, how God is healing 
How God is blessing with graciousness and financial blessings. You've heard those stories. And you hear those stories week in and week out of us celebrating and us praising. But I know that there are some people that are in this very room today. You leave out of here after our services and you're like, that's not the God that's working in my life. Like, I know heartache, I know pain, and I've known it for a long time. Where is this God that they continue to talk about? When is He going to show up in my life? Because I am walking through this fire, and I know what it feels like to be burned. I have not had one check show up in the mail on time. When is mine coming? And so today... I just want you to know, as Pastor Brent said two weeks ago, he challenged us to push all of our chips in, to take up a cross, to bear it day in and day out. I just want you to hear me very loud and clear. Giving everything you have to Christ, your life, your finances, your family, your job, your attitudes, pushing that all in may be one of the most difficult things you will ever do. Because this Christian life is not easy. It's not all roses. It's not all happy mornings when we wake up. This Christian life may be one of the most difficult things you ever encounter. But what I want to share with you this morning is the fact that no matter what you're facing I want you to know that you're not facing it alone. Will you pray with me? Jesus, we do love you. Some of us don't know that we love you yet, but we love the fact that your Holy Spirit is drawing us near this very moment. God, will you open our minds and our hearts to receive only what you want us to receive today and just for the next few moments. For those of us who just need to bask in your glory Thank you for allowing us to do that. God, for those who need strength, I thank you for strengthening us. God, thank you for this moment. And it's in your precious name we pray. Amen. I want to start off by confessing I am a recovering people pleaser. I am a terrible, sinful people pleaser, and I'm not fully healed. I'm not sure on this side of eternity I will ever be healed. I struggle with it on a daily basis. You see, my days start off this way, and I know this is going to resonate with some of you because you're right here with me. We walk through our days and we're wondering, what is that person thinking of me? What is that person saying about me? Are they talking about me? I wonder what they think. And this goes on with people who don't know me. And this goes on with people that I don't even know. I I go through every moment, if I am not intentional, with wondering, what do you you think about my boots? And I wonder what they're thinking about my hair. You know, some people just let me know what they think about my hair, which is great. But I live with that constantly if I am not intentional about reminding myself of who Christ is. And I believe that some of us in this room today, we have allowed that mindset to creep into our relationship with Jesus. 
Some of us have allowed that very mindset to keep us at an arm's length from ever entering into a relationship with Jesus. Because we're always constantly, not with people, but with this God and this Jesus that we talk about so often. We're constantly asking ourselves, I wonder what God thinks of me. And then we take it a step further. Because in my sinful people pleasing, I will wonder, are you for me or are you against me? And we do the same thing with Jesus. Jesus, I wonder today, are you for me or are you against me? And we allow that question to steer our relationship with Jesus. And so this morning, my simple one thing that I want you to take away from this place today is this, that you need to know that Jesus is always for you. He is for you. This is just a little side note for those who I just struck a nerve with the people-pleasing thing. The only remedy to that is to understand who Jesus is. To truly understand who you are in Christ is the only remedy for this sinful people-pleasing. If you want to talk a little more later about it, I'll, I'll be around. I think we may need to start a small group from what I've heard. For those of us with that issue. But I need to ask you a very important question this morning. One that I hope that will travel with you wherever you go this week. Is do you know? Actually, let me ask it this way. Do you believe that this Jesus that we talk about, do you believe that He is for you? And that's only a question that you can answer. Because some of us have this view of God, this view of our Savior Jesus. We view Him as someone who is upset at us. We view Jesus as someone who is sort of upset and mad because He had to pay a great price for all of our messes. Do you feel like that Jesus looks upon you with shame? Like that He's out to get you, that He's mad at you, and you really truly do not know why? I know in middle school, and I won't share this guy's full name, but his name was Chris. He was a bully back in my days of bullying. And I don't know why this guy was mad at me. I don't know why he had it out for me. But I remember that gym class was the worst. He was always a year ahead of me. And Chris, I just was looking around the corner all the time, wondering when Chris, and we always had P.E. together for some reason. And I'd go into that smelly gymnasium at Ledford Middle School just almost scared to death of what's Chris going to do today. Man, he threw a shoe at me one time. And it actually missed me and hit the locker behind me. But if it would have hit me, I know that it probably would have killed me. And Chris was a bully. I've heard since that he has become a Christian. Praise God for that. But, but Chris had it out for me, and I just never knew why. Some of us feel that same way with Jesus. You just don't know why. You have this feeling that Jesus, for for some reason, He's out to get you. And you've made Him upset, and you can't do anything about it to make it, to reconcile it. And you just continue to hear that voice that gives you shame. 
This morning, I want to just squash all of that right off the beginning. There's a scripture that some of you have heard. I'm not going to pull it up on the screen because I'm just going to read it real quickly. And it comes from Romans 8.1. And it says that there is now no condemnation. There is no shame. There is none of that guilt. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You see, Jesus is not out to get you. I've said this several times from this stage. If Jesus wanted to get you, He would get you. And so that condemnation that you bring about yourself, just know that Jesus is for you. He is not against you. There's a story in the Old Testament book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 3, that I want us to read through a little bit of that this morning in the time that we have left. In the Old Testament book of Daniel chapter 3, it's a wonderful story that I remember back in my Sunday school days on the flannel graph. They'd put the characters, they'd put Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego up there. They'd sometimes put King Nebuchadnezzar up there. Some of you know this story. This is one reason I love the New Testament more than I do the Old. I don't neglect the Old Testament, but I love the New Testament because the names are just easier to pronounce. Like in the Old Testament, you have Nebuchadnezzar, Shadrach, I can't spell any of them, Meshach, and Abednego. And then you go over to the Old Testament, you got Pete and, and Matt, and I'm good with those. But here in the Old Testament, Daniel chapter 3, this story is the story, if you remember it, is your childhood of the fiery furnace. And this is a story that tells me that not only is Jesus for me, but no matter what I'm going through, no matter where I am today, that He's also with me. You see, this story of the fiery furnace is King Nebuchadnezzar. He sets up this image of gold that everyone in the land is to worship. And when all the music starts to play, they are supposed to fall down, including Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and fall on their knees, bow, and worship this image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar set up. Well, you know, some of you know the story, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they don't bow down because they love God. And they are not going to bow their knee to any other God. Well, King Nebuchadnezzar hears of this, and he's furious, and he calls for those three men, and he says, I want them bringing, I'll bring them here. Maybe they misunderstood what they were supposed to do. Let me explain it one more time. He explains it, and they say, no, we're not going to fall down. And we're not worshiping any other God. You can do whatever you want to us, but we will not do it. Even if our God doesn't come to our rescue. Like, even if God doesn't do what we know He can do, we're still not going to worship your image That makes King Nebuchadnezzar even more furious. And let's just pick up here in Daniel chapter 3, verse 19. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king, he says he was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And his attitude towards them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual. Listen, the number seven in Scripture is a perfect number. It's a number of completion. And when you read that about this furnace, what it's saying is that King Nebuchadnezzar had this furnace turned up as hot as it possibly would go. Some scholars say that this furnace that King Nebuchadnezzar is getting ready to try to kill these three men in, 
is the same furnace that melted down the gold for that image to be built. See, at this furnace, it had a top hole, and it also had one down at the bottom, another hole. The top hole is where these three young men were going to be put. The bottom hole here is where King Nebuchadnezzar was going to watch as these three young men died. He was furious. He turned it up as hot as it would ever go. In verse 29, it says, or verse 20, and he commanded that some of the strongest soldiers in his army tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men wearing the robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Now you see, if the story stopped right there, some of us would say, where is God in that? Like, God, why did you not show up long before they even got this close to the edge? God, why are you allowing them to get ready to be pushed into this furnace? If God didn't show up for them, then there is no way He's going to show up for me because I've not been as faithful as these three men. You know, there's some times in my life that I've turned my back on you, God. I've doubted you left and right. I've done so many things in my life that have caused me to represent you terribly. If you didn't show up for them, there's no way you're going to show up for me. I'm so thankful that this story doesn't end in verse 23. You see, in verse 23, these men get pushed into the fire. And something happens that causes, in verse 24, King Nebuchadnezzar to leap to his feet in amazement. And he asked his advisors, you got to understand, because Nebuchadnezzar is at the bottom of this, looking into this furnace, and he says to his advisors, weren't there three men that were tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, O king. Verse 25, it says, he looked. I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. You see, what King Nebuchadnezzar was standing up in amazement for wasn't because those three men were burning up. He was standing up because he saw Jesus in the fire with them. And some of you today need to know that you know what the fire feels like. You are in the valley of the shadow of death. You know pain and you know hurt and you're even asking God, when are you going to show up in this? I need you to hear me. You need to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus is right there with you. Some of you, you know because of this marriage situation that you're in, this financial situation you're in, this debt 
this addiction that you continue to go back to, the sinful lifestyle that seems more rewarding than walking with Jesus, you need to know that you are not alone in it. Just because you may not be performing up to par doesn't mean that Jesus is taking a break from you. You need to know that no matter what, no matter how hot, no matter how painful, no matter how scared you are, Jesus is right there with you. I love how the prophet Isaiah puts it. We sang about this this morning. The Old Testament prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 43. I love it. It's highlighted. It's it's underlined in red. Some of you need to go and find you a Bible and you need to underline Isaiah 43. You need to read this because it tells you, do not fear. He says, I have redeemed you. And this morning, if we had time, we would talk about what that word redeemed means. I just want you to know something. It means that you are so important to Jesus and He loves you so much and He's willing to go the distance with you that He bought you back. He paid a price for you that you can never pay. He loves you that much. And it says that He redeemed you. Isaiah goes on, he says, I have summoned you by name. He says this, for those of you who feel like you're alone, he says, you are mine. And so if you are his, there's no way you can be alone because Jesus isn't going anywhere. Your dad may have walked out on you. Your mom may have walked out on you. Your spouse may have walked out on you. Listen, your church may have walked out on you, but Jesus isn't going anywhere. And he's saying, you're mine. Isaiah goes on, he says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. It says that the blaze, the flames, will not set you ablaze. You guys believe that? Do you truly believe that Jesus is for you? I once in a while will go to the message translation of the Bible and I love how it puts Isaiah 43. See, the message translation says this don't be afraid. I've redeemed you. There's that word again. I've called your name and your mind. When you're in over your head, I will be there with you. When you're in rough waters, you will not go down. When you're between a rock and a hard place, it won't be a dead end. Because I am God, your personal God. Verse 23 has happened to some of you, and you've been pushed in. 
and Jesus hasn't shown up in a miraculous check, your body has not been miraculously healed. In fact, you've been doing your best and things seem to have just gotten worse. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were doing everything right. And they were pushed in. Jesus is for you. Like He is on your side. He is pulling for you. So I have no idea what some of you face tomorrow. The only thing I can say to you is you're going to have to just continue to talk yourself into knowing. Maybe every day that you're not alone. That not only is He for you, but he's with you. See, there's a man by the name of Horatio Spafford. That may, name may ring a bell for some of us in here, but we're getting ready to sing a song that he wrote some of the lyrics to a long time ago. And, and he wrote these lyrics during a time when you and I could not even imagine the pain and the darkness and the hurt. You see, he wrote these lyrics right after he lost his family. And as I thought about these lyrics, I thought to myself, how in the world could he have done it? God, how can a man who has just lost his family sing praises to your name? Like, God, why didn't you show up and not allow them to be pushed into the furnace? And the answer to my question is that the only way you can write lyrics like this is if you truly believe that you know that you know that Jesus is with you. And to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that He is for you. I'm just going to ask you, would you stand And maybe you hear these words for the very first time. Maybe these are very familiar words to you. My hope and my prayer is that no matter what we face when we leave this place, we know that we know that Jesus is for us. Jesus, I thank you for being for us. I thank you for your presence in this place. Will you continue to minister to us right now?